0: Flyers Fix Fix. with Jason Mertitis and Brian Smith. And welcome to a special edition of Flyers Fix. Jason Mertitis along with Brian Smith as uh, the NHL pause continues. The pandemic is still underway. And Brian, I was hoping that we would be doing a Flyers Fix episode today, reveling in a double metropolitan division weekend <laughs> winning over the devils and the and the pittsburgh penguins but that's not the case right now first of all how's your health and how are you doing working from home with the kids
1: oh all's good here you know we're just uh we're just just weathering the storm so to speak it's it really hasn't been uh you know as bad as maybe you thought it might be uh, when you had when we headed into this thing but um you know there's uh it's a, di- it's a very different perspective on life. It's not just, you know, obviously everybody knows the economy shut down and everything and everybody's home. But, uh, you know, from a family like mine, you know, all the all the activities are canceled. There's no there's no hockey. There's no soccer. There's nothing else. So, um, you know, you're just you're just home, <laughs> which is uh you know, got its good points and bad points. I've gotten stuff off my to-do list that have been on there for five years and I'm not really exaggerating. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I think it's, uh, I've heard a lot of people say this, just, uh, make the most of the time you've got and do what you can with it. So that's what we've been doing here is just been trying to get some stuff done. That's been sitting around for a while and, and past that, uh, you know, trying to, uh, find ways to continue to do the stuff we do every day just from a different perspective. My daughter actually had a hockey practice yesterday uh, via a Zoom meeting.
0: Uh, oh, wow. So she's
1: out, out driveway stick handling and, uh, you know, doing push-ups and stuff like that. So so people are, people are getting creative and figuring it out, at least to the best that they can. Yeah, and had I known, or any of us known this, we probably would have bought some stock in Zoom.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My kids had to school this morning on Zoom, and I'm trying my best to be a teacher, you but... Know? Any of my teachers that I had over my years certainly know that I wasn't much of a student, so I wouldn't make much of a teacher, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: I yeah, digress. I'm down, I'm down in Delaware. We're starting it uh, Tuesday, really, tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's going to be uh, an interesting experience. But they've actually been doing some things. You know, other other groups have been doing this uh, with uh, some other things uh, with my kids. So they've started to get, uh, get in the swing of it. Actually, my, you know, my, my son especially, you know, they always um, – you know they're playing video games via these platforms already all the time. They know well much more about the stuff already than any of us. So. Oh yeah, I've been asking my kids for
0: lessons on how to do all this yep. stuff and Twitch and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm watching stay-at-home concerts, which is is actually a pretty cool thing. And yeah. you hope that beyond the pandemic that those kind of things continue. Uh, you know, guys, famous musicians playing from their house uh, with just their phone
1: turned on. It's pretty cool. The night this all started, I actually happened. I, I actually happened to stumble upon Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra playing a concert that had already been scheduled. It was. It was. Um, I, I can't remember if it was the day the NBA shut down or the day next day, but um, you know they already had it scheduled. Everybody, was, the whole orchestra was there, so they just played it and streamed it. And there were fifty five hundred people on the stream, and, yeah. and their building only holds twenty five hundred. So it was kind of interesting just to see, uh, how far reaching some of that stuff can go. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's a new way right now. And, uh, the government, uh, in Pennsylvania, shut it down through the 30th. looks like that's the national thing as, uh, Uh, The president made that declaration the other day as well Uh, in this episode. And the reason this uh, emergency episode came about is I had a chance to have a conversation with Flyers General Manager Chuck Fletcher, very forthcoming in the conversation. We tackle a lot of different subjects and we'll get that to you just in a couple moments. But um, I got to ask you a few things before we even get to Chuck Fletcher. And, you know, first and foremost, I found it really impressive that the Flyers front office led by Chuck Fletcher were able to in this crazy circumstances and try and plod forward and, and conduct some business as usual. And he made three signings last week of guys to their entry level contracts. Wade Allison from Western Michigan University, uh, a second round pick a couple years ago. And then also uh, Tanner Lashinsky, who played at Ohio State, his four years, uh, a fifth round pick I believe or a sixth round pick uh, back in uh, a few years ago in the draft, I think 2016. And then Wyatt Wiley, who's playing with the Albert Silver Tips. He gets him under his entry level deal after a few years playing in Everett and a really productive season where he averaged over a point per game, but impressive to get those kind of things done during the pause. And I test Chucky, you know, it has to feel kind of good because it's pretty normal to do something normal like that and get some contracts done.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because you would nor- you know, you would normally bring a guy in and, you know, he would uh you know, sign his contract and, and, and really they probably, sometimes they even start working out, but, uh, you know, they'd come to a game, whatever, and meet with the media. I, I guess in this day and age, you don't necessarily need to be in person to do these things. You can be socially distant and, uh, and hence why uh, I know, caught up with them last week and, uh, did an interview yeah. over Skype with them. <laughs> exactly. You know, you can, uh, you can sign things and, and scan them over or fax them obviously stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, it's, 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 you know and and it's the time of year that you would do this sort of thing anyway and especially with with the NCAA dragging to a halt the way it did uh, a lot of times you've got to wait until your team is done before you can uh, you can move on and a lot of times there's also some questions on whether or not somebody's going to go back to school or not but in both these guys case their eligibility was up uh, 4 years uh, and done and, uh, you know, the, the logical next step for them is to turn pro, so they go ahead and do that in the case of uh, Allison and, uh, and, and Twarinsky anyway. But, um, you know, when you uh, – the one thing that really strikes me, that I, I meant Lasinski, Lis- and I'm not going to – it's not going to be the first uh, – last time I screw those two up. I've been doing it <laughs> yeah. since they've been – since they've been dra- – I, 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 I will not – I'll be completely honest with you. I'm sitting there at the 2016 draft – we draft Carson Twarensky. Three rounds later, we draft Tanner Lisinski, and I'm just like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no I like way I to avoid <laughs> screwing these two up for their entirety of their careers with the organization. But At any rate, the one thing I did notice when the Flyers uh, made those announcements and were starting to prepare to uh, put it out there, um, those two players are the sixth and seventh players to sign with the organization out of that 2016 draft, and that's really impressive, and that's really a testament to uh, the scouting staff and the uh, what Chris Pryor and Ron Hextall back in 2016 saw in these guys. Um, they have uh, you know really found some uh, some good players in that in that draft, and uh, you know with uh, with Allison especially, you know he's a guy that I think probably would have signed maybe a year ago or maybe even earlier. He just you know he had some bad luck with injuries. He had an ACL mm-hmm. tear in January of his sophomore year that uh, lingered into his junior year. So he really kind of needed the extra time just to recover from that and uh, and get his strength back and everything. But if, if it had all been true with his health, I think he, he might have been pro a, a year or two ago. He was sixth in the NCAA in scoring when he got hurt in January of 2018, so uh, there there really is a lot there that to be uh, excited about. It's not a you know it's not a matter of looking at this and saying okay, well he was a second round pick, Carter Hart's a second round pick, Hart's already in the NHL, uh, Allison's just now turning pro. It's really a little bit different than that. So, uh, but uh, but but yeah, it's you know again uh, a good good opportunity I think for uh these teams all over the league to try to get some sense of normalcy into things and uh you know just get some stuff done that you normally couldn't really do this time of year i know you know when you talk to chuck and um you know he mentioned it to some of the other writers as well before you talked to you that uh, they're able to start um you know looking at some of their uh plans for the, that they would normally would be doing in the summer in terms of planning for the cap and things like that and, you know just get that out of the way now with, with, with any luck all we're doing right now is moving the off season up three months, and then gonna play the rest of the season and then get on with life. Um, you know, hopefully that's the way it turns out. I guess we'll see, but um, you know, that's uh, that's a good thing that uh, some of these teams are able to do right now.
0: Yeah, no question. And the other part about that is, and and you know, that's probably the message that uh, players are hearing right now. Use this as your off season, your time to decompress physically, mentally, emotionally, because when you do come back and you know, provided that is able to happen and that'll be based on CDC guidelines and the health experts at some point, um, then it's going to be a situation where it's going to be, guys, it's going to be a lot of hockey with not a lot of breaks. And one of the things that's been talked about, Bri, and we've talked about it, we've talked about it on Flyers Daily ad nauseum, and we're going to continue to talk about it until a decision is made, whether it's a 24-team playoff field, a 16 team, or who knows, maybe even it's, it's an 18 playoff field, depending on the timing. But what we're hearing from uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daley, and certainly from people in the hockey community, is that they're going to do everything they can to put a cap on the 2019-20 season, and that could push it as far into and maybe even September, if need be, which is incredible because then they would basically have a month off of an off season to get a draft in, a free agency, and I guess a training camp uh, for to varying degrees for some teams, uh, the ones that haven't played in a couple months because they weren't playoff teams. And then maybe to a lesser degree for the ones that make it all the way to the Cup final and the trickle back effect from that, uh, but this could be hockey in 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 June, July, August, or it could be July, August, September, whatever it might be. They're going to do everything they can to get that hockey related revenue in and put a culmination to this season, which I think is great.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't you never want to see a situation where things just stop, and uh, you know the only situation that has caused that in recent times has been work stoppages, you know, the, uh, the 94 world series being canceled. Uh, of course the, uh, Oh four, Oh five season and all that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not the way that anybody wants to see anything come to an end. And I, I can understand in certain circumstances that that's the best way to go. You saw what the NCAA did, but you, you know, when, when the NCAA did it, you've got to consider there that you've got athletes that are not, not basically living at home, they're not, uh, you know, necessarily financially uh, set to do whatever they need to do and, you know, figure out uh, all these different moving parts to try to continue a season. I think with, um, you know, with with the situation that hockey and basketball are looking at, um, you know, you've got guys that obviously can do whatever they need to do to prepare to play. Uh, some sort of playoff scenario and you know again what that looks like remains to be seen not only in the format but um, you know could they get it in in and play in front of empty buildings if uh, if guidelines are still in place if if enough testing comes along quickly enough can you test everybody involved and isolate just within the hockey community and then play the game safely that way Um, you know that would be obviously not ideal, but, uh, better than nothing, I think. So, you know, um, it really is going to be fascinating to see what ends up being the end of this year. But, um, you know, they have said, uh, two things, basically one, they want to award the Stanley cup, but two, they don't want to do anything that jeopardizes a full season next year. Um, and probably a third thing is you got to make sure that it's going to be, uh, you know, some sort of legitimacy or something like that. You, you, you don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, make it a flip of the coin as far as a team that gets in or anything like that. So making it as competitively fair as possible with the uh, with the time that you have is uh, is going to be key to trying to figure out what they're going to do. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it
0: would already be an unusual circumstance to hand out the cup no matter how it happens. But they don't want to have a situation of putting an asterisk next to a cup. Uh, because right, It was yeah. a half a playoff field or two best of five series. I think you need at least a conference final. That's a
1: best of seven. You need yeah, a final. That's a best of I mean, seven. I, I yeah. can. Uh, I think I think if they do something that they've done before, then you can probably go ahead and feel good about it. I mean, you know, up until. I don't know off the top of my head, but relatively recently, the first round was best of five. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first. I remember couple best of rounds, three. Yeah. There was a best yeah. of three uh, time frame as well. I don't know if they want to go that route, but um, you know, I think if they decide that they're going to resume, um, the, the first thing you have to do is figure out how to set the field, and and it's almost it's almost set the way that it is. The one thing they're going to have to look at is the bottom half of the Eastern Conference, which was so tight. Uh, when they got to this point of the season, um, you know, just trying to figure out a, a fair way to determine that final playoff field, whether that's to um, you know, do do play-in games or, or what—I don't even know—but I'm sure the NHL has been putting a lot of thought into how they might want to approach something like that. I I, I would be very I would be very nervous about um, the the public uh, the the public person uh, interpretation of a playoff that included fewer than 16 teams. Um, I, I think that might be more likely to have people talking asterisks than if you um, yeah. made some sort of determination as to how those teams got in or if you played shorter series but, um, but I would be fine with, if, if time dictated it, best of five series to get you to the conference finals and go best of seven from there. Um, you know, I, I think everybody is aware that uh, whenever this season is over, that it's going to be one that will be remembered as the the uh, COVID nineteen virus season, and um, you know uh, no, nobody really considers much of an asterisk about a forty eight game season that the league has had two of and still awarded a Stanley Cup after that. So you know it's going to be a little bit different, but uh, it, it is what it is. So uh, but there there are some things that I think that the league would not do in terms of uh, trying to uh, squeeze something in. Yeah, and I was surprised Bill Daly even spoke.
0: To, you know, playing playoff games, you know, in August in in a place like Tampa where it's not just heat. The the enemy of ice is not really the heat you would think it is, but it's actually the humidity. Right. Uh, But with technology today and and abilities to to suck humidity out of these buildings, I mean, they would be put to the test in a market like Tampa um, for
1: sure. I don't know why I remember this. I always have there when there was a line. In Sports Illustrated, back in the early '90s, when the Miami Heat had shown up, and then the Florida Panthers showed up not too long after, they wanted to name the hockey team the Humidity, so they could say it's not the heat that's so bad; it's the humidity. <laughs> there you go. So, that would have uh, been good. Yeah, it's it is it's it's rough. It it is, and you know you've uh, you've still seen it recently. What was it a couple of years ago that uh, the Sixers had to? Uh, yeah. cancel a game because there was a, a humidity problem that made the floor wet. It was coming up through the floor. From yeah. The ice. yeah. That's yeah, the thing absolutely. that a lot of people forget about. I mean, it's obvious if you look at it, <laughs> but, um, yeah. and think about it for a few minutes, but the ice is under the court. Um, yeah. so it is a huge challenge to, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how impressive it is. The people at the Wells Fargo center. Run that building when you try to, I mean, we, we, the weekend that this was, the we, the first weekend that the building was closed, Wells Fargo Center was, I uh, may have this in the wrong order, but they were supposed to go basketball, hockey, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, concert.
0: Yeah, and, and two concerts been, preceding it. The Thursday night may, concert yeah. and a Friday
1: was Billie Eilish. Yeah, Right, there you were a couple other concerts sprinkled in there. So to do that and get all the people in and out of the building and still maintain you know it's it's very challenging when you have an ice floor to maintain an atmospheric temperature that's uh, yes. gonna make that ice decent plus make it comfortable in there so um, you know they've got it down to a science and they're very good at it but uh, they, they don't uh, nobody has a lot of experience doing it in in late July um, yeah. so that would and drive- you're going to have the NBA presumably at that time yeah. as well yeah. now that being said I'm sure that if um, you know if if this comes to pass part of the NHL's plan is probably going to be consulting with whatever experts they need to consult with to uh, get ahead of that problem and maybe adding extra HVAC capacities to buildings. I I don't know exactly how you do that, but I'm sure there's a way to, you know, put a truck out in the parking lot that's an extra air conditioner or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's going to require some attention and maybe some actual um, work to, to, to maintain that. But if the league can do an outdoor surface in Los Angeles and, uh, in February, I'm sure they can figure out how to get quality indoor surfaces in, in July.
0: And I'm sure Dave Craig, the uh, guru of uh, all ice surfaces, uh, is working on all those contingencies now. And I'm sure there's a lot of markers on a calendar, on a, on a whiteboard or dry erase board in the NHL league office saying all of these uh, versions of our scenarios of return are in play here. And as you get later in the calendar. I'm sure they get less and less and less, and we hope that right. one of them, uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later, comes to fruition pending this uh, pandemic, which is uh, in full flight right now here yeah. in the United States and uh, Canada and and everybody uh, suffering through it. But let's get to uh, my conversation with Chuck Fletcher. He has a media availability on Monday. Here's my conversation with Chuck Fletcher one-on-one on Flyers. Face. Flyers General Manager Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, uh, it's been a crazy time. First and foremost, how have you been? How's your health? How's self self isolation been for you and your family?
2: You know, it's it's been fine. It, it it is what it is. We're uh we're all doing fine. We're uh spending a lot of time with each other our family. I have two kids and my wife and mm-hmm. I and uh trying to self isolate and stay out of the way of of everybody else and and do our part. But uh, you know, we're we're fortunate. There's a lot of folks out there that are Working on the front lines, and you know the doctors, the nurses, hospital workers, first responders, and, and everybody else that's working hard to keep our economy going and essential services going. So uh, those those folks have the tough job. We just have to stay home and stay out of the way. And uh, I think we're, we're we're doing our best.
0: Yeah, adherence is such a big thing right now. Uh, it really has been probably uh, the most bizarre hockey year for you by far. From Nolan Patrick's migraine issues. Obviously, the Oscar Lindblom diagnosis and, and everything that's going on with that, and our prayers are with him, um, and now this, and yet the organization keeps moving in a great direction now. It's difficult, and that as many curveballs have you kind of seen this year, how do you remained focused uh, to keep this Flyers team a sustainable contender after what they've accomplished so far this year? You really moved the ball despite some really challenging circumstances.
2: Yeah, it's been a been a different year for sure. Plus, we started the year in Europe. Uh, there, there's been a lot of positives, and then some real tough, real life situations. You, you mentioned Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick dealing with some serious health issues, and, and and now we're in the middle of a of a pandemic. So, I mean, those things are way more important than hockey, and, and there's not really a GM handbook that has chapters on these types of things. So, I think we all just try to do the best we can and uh, make the right decisions. And, and, uh, you know, I think we, you know, just from a hockey standpoint, which again is a real small slice of life right now, but I I think we've, we have a good organization here. We have good people, Um, you know, we have good hockey players. And I think we're set up to, you know, to compete uh, whenever we we get back and we're allowed to play hockey again. And and whether it's uh, a continuation of this season or just next season, whatever, whatever the reality may be, I think we're excited about, where we're going as a franchise. And, and uh, you know, and I, again, I hope people like Oscar and going to be a part of that future as well. And, and uh, everyone's able to get through this current situation.
0: Yeah, there isn't, you're right. There is no hockey handbook for this, but you do have a tremendous resource in your father. Have you, have you kind of uh, used him as counsel at points?
2: Yeah. I, I, I speak with him all the time, obviously just checking in on him, and, and between him and, and people like uh, Bob Clark and, uh, Paul Holmgren, uh, Billy Barber, uh, Dean Lombardi—they're, uh, you know, very fortunate to have a lot of very experienced, uh, quality human beings that uh, work with me and, and uh, help me. So it, it's it's uh, it's always great to speak to those folks just to see how they're doing first and foremost. But they always have great insight. They've they've seen and done a lot more than I have in my life. So it's i it, speak to one of them almost every day uh certainly my dad alive spoke with bob clark yesterday i spoke with homer a couple days ago uh gonna call billy and d lombardi here probably later on today so it's uh you know it's just staying in touch with them they always have good advice and and uh but again i'm very very fortunate
0: uh, Chuck, when, you, when, when did you know this was going to have the impact that it did? I, I, don't, I don't really mean globally. Uh, obviously, it's had a huge impact globally on all of our lives, anybody that lives on this planet. Uh, but when did you know that this would have the impact on the NHL? Was it, was it when Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive in the NBA? Is that when this all became big reality for you? And how did you kind of compartmentalize that um, and, and kind of you know, taking stock and going, okay, this is going to stop right now and – there's nothing we can do about it and there's more important things, but when did you know it would have this kind of impact?
2: Well, uh, I would say a, a week or so before you started to see that this wasn't just going to be a, you know, a virus that, that uh, had a small impact. It, it, you know, the it started to become more and more real uh, in, in early March. And I'm sure for a lot of people, even well before then, but in terms of the hockey world, I think we started to, uh, think about wow uh this could impact our ability to play games And are we going to play in empty arenas and, and then uh when the nba stepped forward like that and and, and announced about rudy uh, i remember we were in tampa bay getting ready to play the next night and i remember thinking to myself we're we're not playing i mean this is yeah. this is uh this is hit and this is really impacting uh you know the everyday life that that we have as, as an organization and a an hockey team and our ability to do what we do so i think we at that point we realized that uh this was this was going to be a big deal and and uh you know your your thoughts sh- uh shift pretty quickly from you know how do we play and under what circumstances do we play to we we just got to make sure everybody uh let's let's get them safe let's get them home and and i you know i give our our league a lot of credit to the commissioner and bill daly i think they before we had any positive cases they just said hey this is it's going to be inevitable it's going to it's going to hit hockey like it hits every part of life we got to shut down we got to hit pause here and and get everybody isolated and and uh, safe and and uh, hopefully we can come back at a certain point in time and 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 be better for it but uh, yeah it kind of hit there I would say in early March it just every day they just started saying wow this is This is
0: bigger than what I realized. Yeah, Rudy Gobert maybe caught a lot of guff, but maybe saved a lot of lives by him coming out and uh, announcing he was positive so quickly because it it got people out of buildings and started social distancing. But in professional sports, you know, your eyes squarely on the ball, uh, the puck rather in this case. But uh, the outside world tends to fall out of focus for you guys. But how much communication have you had with your players and your coaching staff? You mentioned talking to a lot of your front office uh, people, Bob Clark and Bill Barber and, and the tremendous staff that you have how much communication are you having with your players and, and your coaching staff in, in particular?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I would say uh fairly regular, uh, at this point, uh, a lot of the players and even some of our coaches have returned to their, uh, primary residence, I guess you would call it, or their summer residence. And, and, uh, so they you know, uh, they've been just sort of getting organized there. Um, uh, I've been trying to keep in touch with a few of our players and probably spoken to a half a dozen of them in the, in the last few days. I speak to our coaches, particularly AV on a regular basis and, and same with our front office staff. But, uh, you know, right now, the focus for everybody has been again, just to get to uh, get set up, get isolated, um, make sure their family's okay. And, and I, I think as we enter now, what, what is really the third week of, of this self-isolation period then uh, I think there'll be time to start uh, communicating a little bit more often, and, and uh, but for right now, a lot of texts, a lot of quick phone calls. How you doing? You need anything? and you're Just trying to make sure that uh, everybody has what they need to, uh, you know, to be safe right now. Um, w-
0: Athletes, professional athletes, professional coaches, anybody involved in the game at the level you guys are involved in, you're wired a certain way. Did you get a sense of any kind of the level of disappointment from the players uh, that the pandemic you know, necessitated the pause and that the team really had come together and cemented itself as one of the top teams in the league and how the players handled this pause mentally and, and how is the coaching staff handled it mentally? Because it is a tough thing to just turn off a faucet when you weren't expecting to turn it off
2: well i think the biggest challenge is no different than probably anybody uh whatever you Mm -hmm. do in life whether you're a student or you work i mean you have a certain routine and you do a certain thing every day uh you know in terms of uh, how you go to work or how you go to class or you know uh, your activities and the things you're involved in and you know where you volunteer and what teams you coach or whatever it may be and all of a sudden everything stops i think there's uh uh, you know it, it, you have to create a new normal and I think that's been the biggest challenge for everybody not just uh, uh, not just talking you know in, in terms of playing games but it, you know your life just completely stops and, and your routine is vastly different than what it ever has been And it, it takes time to adjust to but the, the fact that we're in a, a very serious uh, global health situation and um, I, I think there you know everybody's very concerned about what's happening in society and what could potentially happen to them and their families. So while I, I'm sure there's some disappointment that we're, we're not playing, I think there's a, a real focus on, on, you know, what can they do to stay safe and what can they do to, to help other people right now? And, and uh, so I, I, I think it shifts very quickly and obviously we all want to get back playing, but, I don't think anyone's feeling sorry for themselves. There's, you know, there's a real big situation out there, and everyone yeah. just wants to make sure they can do what they can and stay healthy right now.
0: And a bit of perspective in life is never a bad thing. Um, we, we've heard some from some very credible reporters, guys like Bob McKenzie and Free Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, and we've heard from Gary Batman and Bill Daly that the league's going to do everything, just about anything it can do to award the Stanley Cup this year. Not that includes the possibility of. July, August, maybe even some September NHL hockey, if it if it gets pushed to that point. Can you shed any detail on how far the NHL is willing to go to get, you know, a, a culmination to this season to make it happen and, and kind of the trickle-down effect of it?
2: Um, you, you know, I, I don't know that I can speak for them other than what I've heard Bill Daly said, and that we definitely, you know, probably the, the number one goal is to make sure uh, to the extent that we can uh, based on what governmental and health officials are telling us, uh, we want to make sure we can have a full season next year, um, you, know, you know, and, and we don't uh, compromise two seasons. Uh, but obviously I think everybody would love to come back and play this year at, at some point. It would, it would obviously signal that things have changed for the better and the outside world and, and that we, that we were able to safely play again. So that would be a great thing. I think after what everyone's been through, it'd be tremendous to, you know, to have uh, a diversion like sports, uh, whether it's hockey, baseball, any of that stuff, come back and and uh, you know, and that, that's what we work for. We work to, to have a league that that uh, you play a competitive season so you can win a Stanley Cup. So I think, obviously, everybody would want that. Um, I think anything would be on the table to to make that happen, provided that again we we can get to a situation in society where that's where we can safely play these games. But uh, if we can get to that point, why not? Why not? Uh, uh, have season that ends whenever, uh, provided we can get an 82 game season next year.
0: If it does get paused, Chuck, and, and until and you know a resumption happens in mid to late summer, and there is a month in between, I saw the players' proposal that was reported on TSN's Insider Trading, where basically the cup would be handed out sometime at the end of September, and then the month of October would be used for you know the start of your new league year, free agency, a draft, uh, I guess some sort of training camp, and. Uh, the 82 game schedule would pick up in November is a month's time. Um, something that, that can be worked with for the players. I mean, only two teams would have the month. And then, you know, obviously the, you know, the further you go in the playoffs, the shorter your off season gets as as is the case every year. But this is really pronounced when you're talking about that kind of turnaround and a lot of hockey in, in, a, in a short period of time going forward.
2: Yeah. Again, this is just my opinion. I, I don't see why not. I mean, if that is the situation you, you laid out uh, happens, that would mean that everybody would have three or four months off right now to to rest and recharge their bodies. So um, it would be different. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be normal. Um, I'm sure there'd be some challenges, but uh, but in the scheme of things, I think that would be, uh, that could certainly workable and, and, and the players, it maybe wouldn't be the normal resting routine that they would have, but they would still have, time to to rest and recharge because let's be honest that's that's what uh, that's what most hockey players are doing right now we're self-isolating and they're getting the rest they're able to work out a little bit but no one can skate and so people are spending time with their families trying to stay safe and resting and 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 probably doing push-ups pull-ups that type of thing so um, you know there's not a lot of uh, no one's taking any contact right now so I, I think guys will come back really rested and bodies healed and and uh, there'd be challenges in what you'd propose, but I think it, I, certainly I think it could work.
0: Yeah. And, and that's probably, is that the message almost like guys, Hey, this, this might be your off season. <laughs> this may be the time when it's time to, to decompress both physically and mentally and emotionally. It's, it's a tough thing to do. But, but Chuck, the one thing is is the salary cap uh, obviously could be affected and we don't know how this is going to um, you know, if there's going to be a resumption, when it's going to be to what level, what kind of hockey related revenue, uh, will be made up of what's considered lost at this moment. Um, and The escrow for the players is a big uh, you know, talking point, I'm sure, for them. But is this an opportunity for the league and the players to get together and address these issues together, deal with it, and find a pathway maybe to a new CBA deal and, and find labor peace like the NFL just did for a long period of time? Is this a good opportunity for that?
2: Well, uh Again, I, I'm not involved in any of that. I just know I've read comments from from Bill Daly and as well as from Don Fear, and I, I know there's a high level of cooperation going on right now, as you would expect in, in this crisis, where uh, they're dealing with things in real time and 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 health issues and and all kinds of issues involving our players and our staff and trying to do the best we can for everybody and and and, and uh, help out the best we can and and overall society. So there, there there's a high level of communication and cooperation right now, and. Certainly that I'm sure bodes well for the future, um, yeah. you know, as to what can we do. I'm not sure, but I, I, I do agree with your premise so that, you know, there's, there's opportunity in anything and as crazy as things are right now and, and regrettable and, and, and scary, um, you know, these sometimes in these situations, new opportunities come up and, and, and some positive things come out of it. And, and I, I'm an, I'm always an optimist and I, I'd like to think that we can get to a better, Uh, you know, make our game better, uh, you know, when we come out of this. And there'll be incredible cooperation and energy and enthusiasm to to get back playing when we get through this. So uh, I think the hockey world could could benefit long term.
0: One of the things that's been floated was a 2014 playoff field. No team that would be under 500 would get in, but it would bring in uh, big markets like Chicago and Montreal. Um, Sometimes when crazy things happen like this, uh, leagues do some things to, because it's a different circumstance and it could open up to a 24 team playoff field. If it went well going forward, would you be in favor of that? Or are you a kind of traditionalist with let's keep it at 16, even though we're moving to a league now that's going to have 32 teams when Seattle comes in uh, the year
2: following. I'm only a traditionalist in the sense. I, I think there needs to be integrity to, to any competition. It's just got to be fair. And we did, you know, we did get through whatever percentage 80 or 85% of the regular season. So I think there has to be some regard to that and that has to be taken into consideration and i don't think you want to open it up completely because some teams uh that that would not necessarily be be fair but uh you know obviously uh you know i think everything has to be on the table and anything that's fair and and protects the integrity of what's already been accomplished I, i think is important uh but you know obviously these are different circumstances and
1: and uh, you
2: know, I think uh, I think the league is certainly open to any any ideas that, that make sense. And, and again, uh, we're just all hopeful that we can get to that stage. And uh, it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be it'd be a fun challenge to, to try to uh, to try to conquer and come up with a solution for. Believe me, once, once we get through all this.
0: Yeah, and the league office certainly has every scenario on the table and uh, whatever one will be implemented at the appropriate time, according to the health organizations. Um, Chuck, you didn't sit around. You haven't just been sitting home playing video games. You signed three players in your system. You got deals done with Tanner Lyszynski, uh, Wyatt Wiley, and Wade Allison last week. And I had to feel, that had to feel almost like normal to, to get things done like that at this crazy time. Um, what, what went into getting the three players signed? And I'm sure you're ecstatic about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thrilled. And, 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 you know what, we're free agents, you're trying to sign your own college or junior uh, draft choices. So uh, that part has stayed somewhat normal. Uh, this is somewhat a normal routine, but uh, obviously both Tanner and, and Wade had the ability to to wait until August 15th to, to uh, uh, become unrestricted free agents and shop their services to, to every team in the national hockey league. So, uh, you know, the fact that they, showed faith in us and, and they wanted to sign with us, I, I think is tremendous. They're, they're both quality prospects. They're both high character people. And, and they both wanted to be flyers. So we're, we're thrilled that we signed them and uh, they're players that I think definitely have bright NHL futures and, and certainly make us stronger going forward.
0: As, as whenever we do find out about a draft and free agency, obviously uh, you're facing different set of circumstances. What kind of challenges, no CHL playoffs, no Memorial cup, Uh, the lack of ability to bring players in for for workouts or to really bring players in to face-to-face meetings. Um, How does that affect your evaluation process heading into a draft? And and with your scouts, you you know, you're going to have to, uh, these guys have gotten eyes on them, but guys like to, you know, scouts like to get eyes on guys at the biggest times of their, of their season heading into their draft year.
2: Yeah. You know, the, the biggest challenge to me is just, uh, uh, in our league, we have uh, prohibitions against collecting uh, any any uh, testing, any physical testing data uh, prior to our combine. So teams cannot test players individually. They can't, uh, you know, run any sort of again physical or physiological or or or, or, or really even gather a lot of medical information uh, until the combine. And, and we do that to protect the players and to protect the integrity of the competition. So. Uh, You know, depending on what happens with the combine, uh, you know, there could there could be a lot of physical and and medical data that we're used to having that we may not have in terms of, uh, um, you know, watching players. A lot of the seasons were complete. I think we've you know, we have a a pretty big staff and they've been scouting hard all year. So we filed a lot of reports on a lot of players. Uh, uh, We have a lot of video clips that we send our scouts that they can watch to supplement what they've already seen in person uh, they're working hard on their list now so in terms of knowing the players and seeing the players from a hockey standpoint I think we're very confident our guys do homework all season in terms of meeting with coaches and, and talking to to billet families and what have you for uh, you know where these players are playing and getting to know them and doing background research so I think we you know, we've done a lot of uh, investigation that way it's, it's you know the biggest thing will be just um, how are, how are we going to get some of this data in terms of uh, the testing results and and their medical reports so the medical side's probably easier than the other side in terms of the league being able to provide that for us but it, it's uh it's going to be different but it'll be different for everybody and uh, but we're i think we're in a good spot right now
0: Yeah, certainly the medical stuff uh, is one thing, the the subjective side of it's the other. Um, Let's talk about your injured players, because heading into the pause, uh, obviously Nolan Patrick hasn't played a shift this season, but James Van Riemsdyk was dealing with the hand, and Phil Myers, uh, if you are to get a resumption, um, should we assume at least two of those, JBR and Phil, are ready to go? And uh, Do you have any update on the status of Nolan Patrick?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, with Nolan, it's it's status quo. He's back home in, in Manitoba. Uh, you know, he's generally been feeling better for about the last six, seven weeks. Um, Great. his conditioning levels have dramatically improved, um, you know, without, uh, you know, without the ability maybe to have some doctors look at him at this point in time, I'm not sure that, uh, whether he'd be cleared or not in the next week or two, but he, again, he's trending that way. And, um, you know, he's doing better and, and everything is, is positive in terms of, in terms of his health. Um, the other guys, uh, Nate Thompson would be cleared to play as we speak now. Uh, Phil Myers would probably be cleared in the in the next week if we were still playing, and, and so both those guys would be uh, would be would be players. I think JVR would still be a week or two away. I think we originally said four to six weeks, and uh, right now we're at around three weeks, I believe. So he would be he he was a player that was either going to be. Uh, ready uh, for game one uh, best case and if not game one uh, then it would have been maybe game three or game four so he was going to be a guy that was you know was going to be right sort of on uh, you know there could have been uh, a little bit of an issue there that he was ready for game one but um, you know obviously now with this pause there won't be any issues he's again he's he's probably one one or two weeks away from being clear to play.
0: And he's a guy that takes tremendous care of his body. Now, Chuck, you guys aren't the only team uh, upon the resumption of play that's going to get players back, like we just talked about. And you look at the Avalanche. They're going to get McKinnon and Rantanen back, presumably. Columbus will get Seth Jones and others back. Uh, everybody's going to be in the same kind of uh, situation getting players back. Um, but what's the key going to be to coming back and, and kind of mitigating a drop in performance that inevitably you're going to find a couple teams are, that you thought you know, were really good teams during the season, but for some reason they couldn't get their legs back under them. So what's a way to kind of mitigate that and, and come back and come back strong? Is that, is that mental <laughs> I for
2: players? I, 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 I'm not sure that's a question that anyone can answer with certainty. That, that's certainly what we're all going to try to figure out. and uh, No different. I think that anybody in any walk of life, how do you just kind of restart and, yeah. and, and uh, be at the same level, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be different. Uh, guys will be in a different place physically. Uh, obviously everyone's going to be at a different place mentally, uh, you know you you have a 60 70 game build up to the regular season uh when the pause happened and guys were kind of in peak uh physical and mental condition everybody was bought in everybody was going a certain way and uh you know i don't know that it's realistic to just bring everybody back and expect players to be in the same place but every team will have the same challenges it'll be you can you know so that'll be consistent and across the board so there'll be fairness in that sense but you're right it, it would be uh, probably highly unpredictable and who knows how, you know, not everyone's going to be able to get back to where they were at the same pace. And and, uh, and the teams that, that figure that out will, will will probably be the teams that have the most success. So uh, who knows We'll, we'll we're – coaches are, are certainly thinking of, of, of ways to do things and how they would run a camp if we came back. And, you know, everyone's got all these what-if scenarios that we have time to think about right now. and, and uh, But certainly that'll be the biggest challenge for every team.
0: Yeah, and you got to feel pretty good when you, the coaching staff that you've assembled with Elaine Vigneault, uh, a lot of experience, Michelle Terry, Mike Yeo, Ian Perrier, your goaltending coach, Kim Dillabaugh, you've got a tremendous staff. But let me ask you about, the, 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 you know, you have some very seasoned leaders, guys like Claude Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, who's your player rep with the NHLPA, Jake Voracek, Matt Niskanen, who's been through the battles, and many others. Um, that, that, that likely makes you sleep better given that scenario, knowing you have the leadership group that you guys have.
2: Yeah, no question. The, the leadership group that we have, uh, uh, the amount of team orientation that we have from our top players. And uh, at this stage, we have a lot of very good hockey players on our team that have had a lot of individual success that, that really want uh, to have that chance to, to have team success right now. Uh, so they, they can have some team awards that help define their career as well. So you, you have everybody kind of pulling the same way where, uh, guys are willing to play a little bit less or, or take a slightly lesser role if it, if it, you know, allows us to have better depth and win more games. And we've had great buy-in all year that comes from the leadership of the coaches and the leadership of the veteran players. But again, it's just, uh, uh, it's a group right now that I think feels that uh, they can be successful if they play a certain way. And they've all so far uh, shown that they're willing to do that.
0: Well, the, the one guy and you brought him in, in the off season, he's had a tremendous effect on this team uh, a pronounced effect on the ice and on the penalty kill, and just as a a big uh, pivot, and you know, to have it that second line center position in Kevin Hayes, but the effect he's had off the ice has been probably equally as important, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, he is. Look, it's a long season. It's no different with any group in any walk of life. You uh, you don't want to have everybody wired the same way, and have uh, everybody being super serious all the time, and, and Kevin Hayes has that ability to to compete hard and and uh, be able to, to flip a switch really and crank it up in terms of intensity and effort. But then he has the ability to to um, have a lot of fun and and bring some life to your room. And and uh, you know it's a long season, a lot of road trips, a lot of practice days, a lot of time hanging around each other. And and he's brought a lot of levity and a lot of life uh, to our group, a lot of energy. And again, when it's time to play, he knows how to play. So uh, not everybody can do that, uh, but you need different personalities. And, and Kevin's really fit in well.
0: Yeah. He's, he's almost taking the pressure off some players that don't like to talk a lot because he fills the room so much. It's like, okay, I can kind of just sit back now. I know he's going to, he's going to fill the gaps. Uh, and he's been a tremendous presence. Uh, last thing for you, Chuck. Um, obviously our thoughts and prayers have been with Oscar ever since the Ewing sarcoma diagnosis. Um, is he still receiving his treatment through this pandemic issue? And do you have any update on Oscar? Because I know a lot of people keep, uh, keep asking me about it. I, I try not to re- use it as something to report on. Cause I think it's tremendously personal, but uh, he's in a lot of people's thoughts right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously it is personal. It's a personal health issue. I, I mean, I could just say that he's continuing his treatments. Uh, the doctors continue to be happy with the progress he's making and, and uh, as you would expect from Oscar, he, he continues to have a, a tremendous, uh, tremendously positive uh, attitude and, and perspective, and, and um, yeah, he's, he's just a great kid, and, and he's still very much in the battle and, 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 and doing as well as he can. So uh, that that great. continues, and, and uh, so we we'll just continue to hope that you know when we do get back, uh, you know, at some point he can be a healthy happy human being first of all but second of all you know even be part of our group going forward
0: yeah very well said chuck hey i really appreciate you taking the time to do this um i know people are really starving for their hockey they can't wait for it to get back on the ice and and everybody loves and i always say at the end of the episode everybody enjoy your hockey and i haven't been able to say it for a couple weeks and it's driving me mad as well but i appreciate you taking the time addressing all this stuff Best of luck. Stay healthy for you, your family, and everybody else. And uh, when it's appropriate to get this game back in the ice, we're going to get it back out there, and it's going to be tremendous.
2: Amen. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Uh, everybody stay safe.
0: There you go. Conversation uh, I have with Chuck Fletcher one-on-one here on Flyers Fix, and uh, 30 minutes of rather candid responses, Bry. And, um, you know, Chuck, in, in, in the same position a lot of us are in, the NHL's in, and everybody, frankly, is in, is there's so many unknowns to this pandemic of, length uh, when, when things may start to, you know, turn for the better. We just don't have those answers right now, but what is clear from Chuck Fletcher is that this league wants to put that Stanley cup in somebody's hands uh, to put a cap on this season and uh, that the Flyers certainly are in a position uh, with the work that's been done prior to Chuck's arrival. And since Chuck has been here and I asked him about Kevin Hayes and just that, you know, the on and off ice effect of a player like Hayes certainly will help this team come back and hit the ground running. And, you know, it's interesting, because I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Chuck uh, alluded to it there, saying that, you know, some teams inevitably are going to come back and, and not be the team that they were in this regular season. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean Really good.
0: Can... Yeah, the teams that hit the ground running and are able to f- f- some way through their coaching staff or the the maturity of players or their leadership group are going to come back and be in, a, in just as good of a position, if not better, because some of the teams that maybe weren't in – impediment to them, aren't going to be able to do that.
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and you, you just look at the years where there was an Olympic break. A lot of times you see a team just blowing everybody out of the water, and then you get to the break, and three weeks off, they're a completely different team when they come back. I mean, this league, for whatever reason, um, you know, that that can happen in a week um, just with an all-star yeah. break. If you're a red-hot team and you get to the All Star break. Um, same same thing with playing like crap too. If you're playing awful, and you get to the All Star break, sometimes you come out and you're you figured it all out by the time they get back. Uh, you know that, and that's one thing that the one thing that that I am optimistic for in that regard is that uh, the last time the NHL had an Olympic break, it was Elaine Vigneault and the New York Rangers that came out of the Eastern Conference and went to the finals. So. Um, you know, yeah. vinio has some experience with this, uh, in, at least in that regard of a, of a three week break that was planned and you knew that it was coming and you knew that, um, you know, that uh, uh, well, how long it was going to be and what you were facing when it was over. Now it's a little bit more open ended. But, um, you know, my hope is that he can look back at that and maybe see some things that uh, that, that um, you know, were. Uh, beneficial to his group coming out of that break and the other thing too when you look at the flyers is that you know you gotta remember this is his first year as head coach and coming into this season you know he said a lot of that uh, you know it's going to take a couple of months for me to 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 get to know this team you know we're not going to come out of training camp and blow the doors off um you know a lot of times in that situation you look forward to year number two when a team has a full training camp to work on things, and uh, now with a lot with a lot more experience under their belts, the coaching staff goes in and uh, they have a better start. Well, it might be very beneficial in this case if because uh, what they are talking about having a training camp before things resume, um, sure. which is Absolutely. you know yeah. saying maybe a, a two week training camp. The Flyers, if they are able to have a two-week training camp under this coaching staff, knowing what they know now after sixty-nine games of this season, and then are able to <laughs> go out of that training camp right into the playoffs, they might be in a better situation than any other team in the league. Um, so that is also a uh, cause for optimism. But at the same time, you've got to hope that this whole thing blows over. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I, you know, I, even though the Flyers were playing well before this all ended, and now it's going to kind of take away that advantage. I think they've got some advantages uh, heading into the potential that's been discussed that some other teams might not.
0: Yeah. And you also have a a core of veterans that are at a point in their career where they're not playing for themselves. They're not playing for stats. They're playing for team success. Guys like Claude Giroux, like James Van Riemsdyk, who's your player rep and it, it takes incredible care of his body uh, Jake Voracek, Matt Niskanen, who's been there, done that. Justin Braun has been to a cup final and a conference final on, on another occasion. You know, the, the having those guys there along with this young group of vibrant uh, young players like Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov and Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim may be the perfect blend for this situation. We don't know. We'll find mm-hmm. out, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but But you make a great point because, you know, this is when a coaching staff that has three former head coaches on it With Elaine Vino, Michelle Tarian, and Mike Yo, could really pay the biggest dividends for this team. And how I mean, they've already paid dividends to put them into the second spot in the Metropolitan Division, but to go even further than that and be able to uh, have them come out of this break and and mitigate the what they lost during the time off could could be paramount. And how because you know there's going to be some teams. No matter who, that yeah. may, maybe it's a team like Colorado, even though they get McKinnon and Ranton in back. Or maybe it's a team you know, like Tampa Bay who can't recapture the form that they rounded themselves into this year. And they come back and they try and play that pond hockey like they played last year and just try and outscore. You don't know. I, right. I, you don't right. know what teams it's going to be. Uh, but that's another variable to what this could be when they do resume play at some point, if they're able to do that, to culminate this 2019-20 season. It's tremendous yeah. theater.
1: And, and to that end, too, that, you know, something that I didn't really uh, think about when, you know, we were talking about Elaine Vigneault having, you know, the experience coming out of an Olympic break. Um, but uh, but Mike Yo does as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was uh, he was leading that Minnesota team that uh, came out of that Olympic break, still got to a, a 19 or excuse me, a, a 98 point season. And, uh, Michelle Therrien did it the same year with, with Montreal, got them to a hundred point season. So all three of these guys have done this and yeah. uh, can hopefully, uh, draw on that experience a little bit and, uh, you know, look back and see what's worked. And, you know, again, the, the, this is a young league and obviously these guys are in peak shape, but, uh, you know, you've got to think that perhaps a younger player responds to this overall situation better than an older player would. And so the flyers definitely with their young core. Um, could uh, maybe find an advantage there as well.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Um, Real quick, too, um, Flyers Daily is continuing for anybody uh, that hasn't been checking it out. Uh, We were in the midst of player profiles last week. We did a player profile on Scott Lawton, Justin Braun, and Nicholas Albae-Kubel. The player profile for the March 30th episode was with Travis Sanheim. Uh, You can check those all out. Just go to Flyers Daily uh, on your iTunes or wherever you subscribe, and you can go back and listen to those uh, podcasts. Uh, they'll be there for you. Also, uh, we have Carter Hart coming up on Wednesday, and it looks like maybe we'll have Carter Hart on said player profile on Flyers Daily. Fingers and toes crossed right now for me, Schmidty. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt Niskanen uh, will be the player profile on Friday, and I've loved talking to him on Flyers Daily when the season was underway. Travis Konecny, Brian Elliott, and Michael Raffle the week after, and then Sean Couturier, Robert Haig, and uh, Derek Grant. And then we're going to get to Shane Gossespierre, Faraby, and Pitlick and and we'll get to all the players uh, throughout player profiles and also had a chance to, to have a conversation with Tanner Lashinsky and uh, Wyatt Wiley. We'll be bringing those to you as well. So we got a ton of great content. Hope everybody enjoyed the Chuck Fletcher interview. Hopefully we get this game back on the ice soon enough. And you've been listening to an emergency episode. A uh, great one-on-one conversation with Chuck Fletcher, with Jason Martinez and Brian Smith here on Flyers Fix. Schmidty, stay healthy, all right? You as well, sir. We'll do that, and we will talk to you next time on Flyers Fix. Thanks for listening, everybody.